got news for you. He cares. He cares. Yes? He cares. So today we're going to crack on with part 3 of Psalm 23. So if you open your Bibles to Psalm 23. Let's read the whole psalm, but we're going to be focusing today on verses 5 and 6. Psalm 23. You've heard it so many times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just switch mics. Okay, praise God, so I can move around easily and no worries, move my hands and... Amen. Father, we just say thank you for your word, Lord, and once more, Lord, we're coming with open hearts, we're coming with open ears and open minds, Lord, to be taught by you. Help us to get into this song, Lord. help us to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit through these ancient words, Father. Speak to our lives, Lord. Speak into our hearts. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to go deeper with you. Reveal yourself and reveal your ways to us through these beautiful words, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And so we've been looking at some of the imagery in the psalm. And uh, in particular, the metaphor of the shepherd. That uh, the Lord is our shepherd. I think we've established that over the last couple of weeks. Yes. And just thinking about how our journey is very similar to the journey of the sheep, the flock that the shepherd takes his sheep on, you know, through some very different and difficult terrain. And uh, I've kind of said to you that um, the right thing to do is to try and, I know it's hard, switch off our 21st century mindset as we're reading through these words. And stop thinking about the, the shepherds and the sheep on the, on the Welsh hills. And try to, try to understand David's reality. Where he was, what's his reality, where the geographical location. Where was he, you know, guided his flocks? What was his culture? What were the customs of the time? And I think that helps us to understand exactly what's being communicated through these words. And so we've tried to do that over the last couple of weeks. Praise God. Yea, you are walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me and your, your rod and your staff. They comfort me, was our last message. And the fact that the good shepherd is always with us. The good shepherd is always watching over our lives. The good shepherd requires us to trust him, no matter what we're called to go through. And we spoke about the valley of the shadow of death. You know, there's some that believe that, that it is a, a, a real valley in Israel. The, the Wadi Kelt, it's called. And some of the, the difficulties, the challenges of, of kind of like guiding a flock 
through that terrain. It's the perfect terrain for ambush. And we know there are many predators that would just fall upon the sheep given the opportunity. But David says, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though the, 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 the way is difficult, even though it's challenging, even though there's danger, you know, and, and, and despair along the way. And, and, and that flock needs to huddle together and keep together and keep their eyes fixed on the shepherd. Even so, I know that your rod and your staff comfort me. They comfort me because I know you care for me. I know you know where you're going. You know where you're leading, even though I maybe not know where I'm going. And there are times like that in life. And so we need to fix our eyes upon the good shepherd. Praise God. However, today, as I said, we're going to focus on verses 5 and 6. So let's just read them again. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? Good, good, good. So, the thing is, um, I want to suggest to you this morning that verse 5 and 6, in verses 5 and 6, there's a shift. In the imagery. There's a shift in the imagery. And, 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 and David is not speaking as though he was a sheep anymore. And, and thinking about the care of his good shepherd. I want to suggest to you that in verses 5 and 6. He's, he's referring to God. Or alluding to, to the fact that God is a good host. So we move from the imagery. The metaphor of sheep if you want. To people. To people. Okay? Because at the end of the day, all of this, this language needs to, needs to, needs to be uh, uh, appropriated. It needs to... Uh, I can't remember the word. It's gone. It needs to speak to us as people. Bless the Lord. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So the first thing that we see this morning is that God prepares a feast. For us in the presence of our enemy. God prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemy. You prepare a table. And by, by saying table actually is referring to a meal. And it's quite interesting because it was usually the women of the household that would prepare the meal. But here we see David referring to God as the one who prepares a meal. He prepares a feast. For us in the presence of our enemy. And as you read through the Bible, you see there are a number of occasions where feasts and festivals take place. Where people gather together to feast together. It's a time of joy and celebration. In Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19, the word of God says this, a feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. Wow. A time of joy, a time of fellowship. A time of friendship, of sharing. Praise God, we, we need to do this more often for us. Do we not? Hallelujah. Let the bellies increase. I'll say nothing for you. Hallelujah. But again, we want to understand this within that ancient Middle Eastern context. Remembering David out on the hills of Judea, around Bethlehem and so on. And so I just wanted to bring up that first 
slide if you would, that's the one. And so I want you to imagine, folks, David, and this is probably what he was thinking about, where a table would be prepared. Because all around it, as you, even till today, as you travel up from, from Jericho and, and around the Dead Sea, traveling up to Jerusalem through the Judean wilderness, you see a number of Bedouin settlements. You see Bedouin tents. Many of them now are semi-nomadic so that they don't move around as much. But if you go to Jordan, you'll see these kind of things. However, you will see tents and you will see flocks out on the hills. So this was the kind of, uh, this has been you know, for, for thousands of years. Okay, so these are the kind of things that you would have seen around the hills around Judea and Bethlehem. He says that uh, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you know anything about the Bedouins, you know that hospitality is key for Bedouins. It's key for Bedouins. And uh, they take it very seriously. I believe that you could just turn up at the Bedouin site and they would, a bit like the Brazilians really, they'd get the... <laughs> the food out, and the coffee and everything else, and you'd be made welcome into a Bedouin camp. To set out food was a gesture of hospitality in Syria's. It's a gesture of hospitality. Just think back to Genesis chapter 18, when, when the Lord came with the two angels, and they appeared before uh, um, Abraham. And uh, Abraham immediately, what was his reaction? He went, and, he, he went and prepared a meal. He told Sarah to go and prepare a meal. He went and got the calf, you know, and, 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 and prepared the meal for them to receive them, to show hospitality to them. That's what it's like. It speaks of warmth. It speaks of friendship. It speaks of relationship. I'm allowing you to come in. You are my guest. Come in and be welcomed in my tent. Doing a bit of research, and uh, this is what one expert on the ancient Middle East says. He says, in the East, a man's fame is spread by means of his table and lavish hospita hospitality rather than by his possessions. Strangers and neighbours alike discuss tables where they have been guests. Such tales spread from one town to another and are handed down from one generation to another. There is considerable gossip as to how guests and strangers are entertained. Hallelujah. So the way that you receive guests and strangers would reveal much about you as a person. About your warmth, about you and your character. And I want you to hear these words afresh. Think about this. David says, you prepare a table, a meal before me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. The Lord, he sets a table. And he says, he does it in the presence of my enemies. And in the Hebrew there, it means in sight of, in sight of my enemies. It's almost provocative, isn't it? And I, you know, I think here, personally, I think David is referring to the time when he was anointed as king. Can't prove that. But I think he's thinking about all of the events that surrounded his anointing as king. Because David has many enemies. You know that. If you've read the story of David. Wow, there's so many twists and turns and plots and schemes. And enemies that rose up against him at different times. Yes, he made his mistakes. But listen to what he says about himself, about his enemies. He says, I am a reproach among all my enemies. But especially, especially among my neighbours. And I'm repulsive to my acquaintances. 
Those who see, see me outside flee from me. That's from Psalm 31 verse 11. There were times in David's life when he felt overwhelmed by the opposition. There were times when Saul, you know, he was chasing his father-in-law, chasing him around, trying to kill him, trying to wipe him out. He faced a lot of opposition. And yet he says, you prepare, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They're against me. They want to pursue me and want to kill me. But you, Lord, you prepare a feast for me. You welcome me in. You welcome me in. I want you to hear the heart of the Lord this morning, friends. God affirms his friendship with us as we come and we sit at his table. He's affirming his friendship with us as we come and sit at his table. Jesus said in John 15, verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. A friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God, wasn't he? We're coming into his tent, so to speak. God is affirming his friendship with us this morning. By coming into fellowship with us, where there is peace, where there is harmony, where there is love, where there is fellowship, where there's trust. Hallelujah. That's what we've been called to in the presence of the enemy. I think about Zacchaeus, and you can read about Zacchaeus in, in, in Luke chapter 19, I think it is. First few verses there. Look, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, the Bible says. And as a chief tax collector, he was ostracized. He was cut off from the rest of the Jewish community because he was viewed to be a collaborator with the Romans. And yet Jesus goes to his house for a meal. This is our Savior. This is our God. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Not that he approves of the sin and he calls them to repentance. Hallelujah. But he draws near to those. He says, you know, it's not the righteous that need a, a, a doctor. It's the sick. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. This is good. Jesus, the friend of sinners. The Bible says in that Luke chapter 19, he says, people were not happy about the fact that Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus. <coughs> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter what others think. It does not matter what Satan Jesus welcomes us with all of our baggage, all of our flaws. And he says, come, friendship. I want friendship with you. You're welcome. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're welcomed and we're beloved, even in the sight of our enemy. Second thing we see, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Hallelujah. Maybe you just want to put that second image up. Talked about the feast, but just have an idea. Um, you anoint my head with oil. Just to, just to mention about feasts in the Middle East, guys. I remember some years ago going to Jerusalem, and uh, we were received 
Um, we were going, it was a prayer convocation. We were going to pray on the walls around Jerusalem. And on the night that we arrived, we were received by some Arab Christians and they put a feast upon for us, on, on for us. And uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of this particular dish. I can't remember it, but I'll tell you what, Brian Idle loved it, mate. It was like, I all looked like that, mate. Seriously, but chicken and rice and all kinds of stuff. Well, they know how to put a feast on. They know how to put some food on, guys. Bless the Lord. A sumptuous feast. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And I know that in, in, in other times, I've, even I've spoken about this and... Uh, I understood that oil is used to anoint sheep. Okay? Um, it's, oil is, olive oil is used for many different purposes and was during the times of Jesus and before. You need to understand that. There's medicinal purposes, there are other purposes. However, I want to suggest to you that here, David is not speaking about anointing the sheep because it just doesn't fit. Look, you anoint. Where is it? You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You may well anoint a sheep, you know, with oil upon its head for different purposes, but that you don't see sheep drinking out of cups. So we can only push that so far. So I want to suggest to you that he's speaking about something else. Another important thing to, to note is the word anoint. You would not use the word anoint, the Hebrew word anoint, for pouring oil upon sheep, okay? So again, that leads me to understand or to think that here David is speaking about people. He's speaking about himself. Maybe when he was anointed to be king, only God knows. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. But there is something that we need to, to understand about this, about being anointed with oil. Do you remember when Jesus went to the house of Simon the Pharisee? He was in the house of Simon the Pharisee and suddenly a woman came in. She's not named. You know, and all the religious people are sat around Jesus. But this woman comes in and begins to pour out this fragrant perfume upon Jesus' feet. Remember that? And begin to wash, wash his feet with the tears of her, of her eyes and, and, and wipe them with her hair. And Jesus said this. He corrects them. He says, "You, when I came into your house, you did not receive me with oil, with fragrant oil, or with a kiss, or neither did you have my feet washed. In other words, you did not honour me as I came into your house. And this is what it's talking about. It's talking about being honoured. And so the second thing we learn this morning is that he honours us as his guests. I want you to think that this is God. We're not just welcomed as friends, he honours us in his presence. Bless the Lord. And so the, 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 the way, in the same way that people, it was customary to receive guests and to honour them by dropping a, a, just a drop of fragrant olive oil mixed with perfume. You can imagine the fragrance changes. But I don't know about you, but if you're out for days on end with the sheep in the fields, you're not smelling as though you've got, you had your leeks on. <laughs> you know. But then you come into this place and suddenly you received with such, such a welcome, such friendship, such hospitality, such love. And then you receive that, that, that drop of fragrant oil. And I imagine that fragrance just filling the tent. Praise God. Because that's what the Lord does. 
Because when we come into the presence of God, the fragrance changes, folks. The Bible says we are the fragrance of Christ. Hallelujah. You carry the fragrance of God. And yes, you may not well be anointed with olive oil, but you're anointed with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you carry that, that, that anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, the fragrance changes. Yes. We are honoured as we come into the presence of God. That's what He does for us. He changes our fragrance, so to speak. Hallelujah. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And again, think about feasts and biblical feasts. We would think with a cup, we would think about wine. And he's saying there's an abundance of wine. There's a constant flow of wine and provision for me in the presence of God. We are treated as honoured friends in his tent. In his tent. We will not go where we don't feel welcome. Do you agree? However, we are more than welcome into the presence of Almighty God, into the courts of His presence. Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 22 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, some translations say boldness, okay, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Draw near. Come. Because you are welcome. That's the message this morning. Come. You'll be received as an honoured guest. In the tent, in the courts, in the house of our Lord. He prepares a table for us, a sumptuous feast for us. There is abundance, there is there's provision, there is blessing. Which brings us to our third lesson. That he desires to shower his blessings upon his friends. He desires to shower his blessings upon his friends. Verse 6. Surely goodness... And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And just going back to that imagery about the shepherd and his sheep again. You know at the end of the day as, as, as the shepherd was leading his flock back into the sheepfold. One of the things you have to do was be careful that there wasn't a predator that had been following them, looking for an opportunity at any moment to pass and to kill and to destroy, just like the, the enemy of our souls does. And I want to just suggest to you this morning that he, he uses that kind of imagery, but look what he says will follow us, look what will pursue us. Not the predator, no. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, which implies that there's movement, we're on a journey, we're moving forward. Yes, we're following the good shepherd, moving forward, but goodness and mercy is pursuing me. Not the wolf, not the, the jackal or whatever else. Goodness and mercy is following me. 
Surely His goodness, God's goodness will prevail in our lives. His, his mercy is bestowed upon us. Two interesting words. Let's just look at two verses of Scripture. First, Exodus, Exodus 34 verse 6 says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. That's a proclamation. This is the Lord saying, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. Bless the Lord. The Lord merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Psalm 118 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His love endures forever. And because He's good and because His love endures forever, David can say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Goodness and mercy shall follow me on this journey. Hallelujah. Praise God. What is his, his goodness, friends? His goodness is His benevolence. You see, some of us have difficulty with this. Some of us imagine that God is angry with us. You know, He's constantly angry and putting demands upon us to be better, to be more righteous. You know? But we need to understand that the, the enmity has been removed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It just said, you know, we can enter into his presence with boldness and with confidence because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us and that purifies us. He qualifies us to stand in his presence. He's not standing there, oh, you need to be a bit better. You need to get your act together. Yes, of course, he corrects us when he needs to correct us. But he does not receive us into his presence based on our performance, on the things we do or the things we do not do. He bases his, his fellowship with us on the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that cleanses us from all sin. That is what gives us boldness and confidence to enter into his presence. Be careful because the enemy will have you look to yourself. And when you look to yourself, you may well say, well, I've been good in this this week, and I've done this good week, and so on. And I'm sure the Lord's pleased with that, but I've also dropped some right clangers. You know? Oh, dear. But when we understand that we're drawing near to him, and he says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, we draw near to him not based on ourselves, on anything we've done or not done. We draw near to him based on what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. The righteous Son of God, the sinless Son of God, the pure and holy Son of God who hung on that cross as our substitute. And we look to that and we say, we know that that is the basis of our relationship with our God. Takes our eyes off of ourselves and casts them back upon Him. Amen. And we need to understand that His life, His, His thoughts towards us are good thoughts. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And there, if you read the rest of the book, you'll see that Israel were very, very rebellious at the time. Judgment was coming upon the nation of Israel for their rebellion. But God's ultimately saying, yes, it's going to happen. You need to be judged. You need to be corrected. But you know, my thoughts ultimately are of peace towards you. Oh, I've got a plan for you. Good thoughts and good plans towards you. This is the God we serve, brothers. 
He's consistently faithful in his life. His, his goodness follows us. And his mercy, the Hebrew word for mercy, chesed, is the word for loyalty and faithfulness. It's covenant loyalty. He knows the covenant that is established with us through the shed blood of his son Jesus. And though we might date wrong sometimes, and we might mess up, he is faithful. He is faithful. Hallelujah. This is the God that we serve. It shall follow me. To follow, to the Hebrew word again, to pursue, to hunt, and to take captive. <laughs> Hunts God's goodness and his mercy hunts me and takes me captive. So to speak. Hallelujah. He's relentless in his care and his love for the sheep. All the days of my life. All the days. Not just one day. All the days of my life as we're on this journey. Now let me just say something. That does not mean that we've seen that. In the psalm, it doesn't mean that we don't go through difficult times. It doesn't mean that we don't go through valleys of the shadow of death. Where we feel like we've been abandoned sometimes. Where we've not got that joy and that, that, that delight. You know, and feeling that, that happy feeling that we get. Because of the circumstances of pressing in. But we need to understand that ultimately... God has a good plan and a purpose for our life. This is the one we're following. We follow Him. His goodness and His mercy follows us. All the days of my life. And finally, what does He say? This is David's response to the goodness and the mercy of God. He says, and I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the time of David, when David was king, there was no physical building temple in Jerusalem. We know Solomon was the one that built the temple. But there was a tent. There was a tabernacle. Could it be that he was thinking about this? That was where he would have gone and worshipped the Lord. Well, you see, he's communicating to us the joy, that sense of, of, of peace and, and confidence when he was coming into the presence of the Lord and, and, and saying, you know, I want to dwell in this place. In the presence of God. That's where we're, we're complete. That's where we will feel the peace and, 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 and his presence, the goodness and the mercy of God just envelops us in his presence. David says, that's where I want to be. I want to be there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and I believe he's not just talking about in his days, 3,000 years ago, you know, when the tent stood in, in, in Jerusalem, I think that he's speaking throughout his whole life and into eternity, I want to dwell in your house, Lord, because that's where I am found. That's where I am complete. That's where I know your peace and I know your presence. That's where I feel like an honoured guest. I don't feel like an enemy. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, they're looking on, but you make me feel welcome. You make me feel beloved. You make me feel honoured in your presence. Hallelujah. Do you know that place? Or are you still trying to get to grips with the fact that God loves you and receives you and welcomes you into his presence even though you're not perfect? Are you looking to the blood? Are you thinking and remembering that the that, that he, he receives you based on what he did for you? 
Or are you still feeling unworthy? Yes, it's true. We're all unworthy. It doesn't matter what place we're at with the Lord. All of us are unworthy. We all mess it up. We all deal with sin. All of us. But I'll tell you what. Praise God he doesn't base his fellowship with me and his relationship with me on that. But on, on the cross. And what he did for me. He qualifies me to stand in his presence. His blood cleanses me and purifies me from all sin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thus ends a look at Psalm 23. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Abba Father, we thank you this morning for these beautiful words, Lord, that were penned 3,000 years ago. Would you speak to us today and just remind us of your character. They remind us that you care. That we, Lord, are part of that flock. And that you are our good shepherd. But you're also a good host. You receive us into your presence, into your tent, so to speak. You prepare a feast before us in the presence of our enemy, Lord. You honour us. You anoint us with your Holy Spirit. You change the fragrance of our lives. Our cup runs over with your provision, your abundance, Lord. Your goodness and your mercy pursue us, Father. Because that's who you are. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. And Lord, what can we say this morning? We echo the words of David 3,000 years ago. I will dwell. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our desire this morning. To dwell in your beautiful house. To remain in your beautiful presence. To worship you, Holy One. You're a good, good God. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.